0: transversing gender and pxs wrap-up
1: pdsm and non-standard relationships power exchange and polyamory sacred sexuality and fetishes as, as well as, as
0: simply, simply fun, fun kink. kink you'll find shows on these topics and more at Network.com.
1: you can now purchase books by dan and Dawn as well as kinkstarter cards online head over to eroticawakening.com and click on the link to buy dan and don
0: welcome to erotic awakening an exploration of all things erotic if you're offended by adult topics are prohibited by law by a law the look the stop listening what now hi Dan hi Don how are you doing I am okay we have the post PxS
1: energy shortage mm-hmm that's for sure I went straight home and took a nap before coming to a space meeting so I think I'm a little perkier than you are right now after that half hour nap. <laughs> I haven't had that half hour nap
0: yet. Today on the podcast, though, we're going to pull up enough energy to talk about the Power Exchange Summit that just wrapped up, and also we have an interview with Lee Harrington, famed podcast and author, podcaster, and author. <laughs> and Lee just published a brand new book called Transverse, Transversing Gender. Understanding Transgender Realities, and I had a quite the nice conversation with Lee about that and oh, nice. why Lee put out that book and all that kind of good stuff, and that interview will be coming up shortly.
1: I missed out on that interview, so I was probably working so, or something.
0: You were probably here at the space, probably opening the door, so. closing the door, something yep, like that. Yep,
1: I do that a lot. So We awesome. happen to have
0: at the Power Exchange Summit, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Dawn, but we had a lot of... People that listen to the podcast actually, at the Power Exchange Summit. And that's I, apparently how they found out about it. Yes,
1: us. absolutely. And um, I do know that because I actually sat and talked to Traver for quite a while. So I got to talk a little bit of politics with him and just a little <laughs> bit of what's going on there. And um, he's wanting us to come out and do an MS intensive in his area. So I just think all of that. But he thinks we need to just come out and take a vacation. He said I could ride his tractor. Wow. Mm. I'm not Sure, riding, <laughs> riding a tractor's vacation in my book. <laughs> I don't we, know, but I don't know how to drive it, and it's a one-seater. We also had podcast <laughs> listeners from the Pittsburgh and
0: Massachusetts and the Virginia, mm-hmm. um, all did. over the place. We also had pages
1: out. So the pages uh, we did have the out. pages
0: out. Uh, first time we actually got to meet the pages after listening to
1: her podcast. Mm-hmm. For these uh, couple of months, absolutely. So, and you know what else was interesting is that we got to meet a lot of people. There are uh, probably about fifty percent of the event was first timers,
0: which was really interesting for um, for us. We get a lot of repeat uh-huh. people, that, but uh, it was neat to see that many
1: new people as well. So it was. Uh, that was pretty awesome. We had people from Utah. Would they say Utah? Florida, a couple of different places in mm-hmm. Florida. A very
0: strong contingent of people out of Atlanta.
1: At, oh yes, out of Atlanta. Um, somebody else was, would you say, Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of long flights, you know, coming in so to experience this, and that was pretty pretty neat. We got to. Uh, Um, invite in the new people we met in utah Mm -hmm. so some of them got to come and yeah
0: we had butterscotch from dallas
1: oh butterscotch from dallas so and it's awesome i now have a visual on how to remember her master's name so she kept telling me a name and that his name was like that name with a D, but I need something visual so I can actually now visualize what it yeah. is and change the first letter to mine D is still, and I'm good.
0: Mine is still Matthew Broderick. <laughs> so, it's funny because we just saw uh, Butterscotch at Power Exchange Summit, and here it is in less than a month. We will be heading back down like, to visit her yep. in her hometown of Dallas, where we'll be presenting at Bridging the
1: Slash. So that's going to be so much fun. It's an all-day Saturday event, and what do they have, like four or five presenters? But it's just an intensive all day. So Three. Uh, is it just well,
0: three? Uh, three couples, yeah. Okay,
1: awesome. So, which means we'll probably be able to see 705 again, who we got to see over the weekend, and some of our friends that have moved to Dallas. So, that's just going to be really neat. Dallas is starting to become a little um, homey feeling. Mm-hmm. So the more we go back...
0: Well, we actually, we actually hit at least one event in Dallas each year. Yeah. Which is kind of, kind of interesting. It is. it is. You should go over to bridgingtheslash.com and get your tickets so that you can hang out with us at the Bridging the Slash event that's coming up on the June,
1: June 16th. I think it's this, yeah, I think it's like the June 17th. Weekend. Awesome. So And we also got to... Um, another really interesting thing that happens at PXS is people tend to do collarings and stuff. And it was neat. So we got to see one of our staff members Mm -hmm. collar his new slave, who is also from Dallas. That's why Butterscotch came up. So so we got to watch that collaring. And it was beautiful. Made me cry. And then at one point, I was doing something in the ballroom. And I came out to the social area. And I went over to a table where I saw Master Sherry. Mm -hmm. And someone had just placed a collar around their slave's neck. Yeah. Standing behind them at the tables, so they were all actually sitting around one of the circular tables having a collaring. Oh, neat! So that was neat. And then during one of our ceremonies, one of our evening ceremonies, was that Saturday oh, evening? Oh yeah, Saturday evening. That was really cool. Somebody proposed. A mistress. She yes.
0: Proposed to a mistress. Suppo- her slave. Uh, proposed to her slave. Yeah, that was really cool. We didn't. We um, now, little did you know that uh, earlier in the day we had a master support group which was okay. one of I was the aware open slots of it, but not there. We have these open slots at Power Exchange Summit for people that, you know, once you're there you're like, oh man, you know a class we need to have is this class. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were she was talking about that how she as her, you know, was going to um, propose marriage, she had the ring with her, she just didn't know the timing to do it. Right. And we as a group recommended that the Saturday um, evening
1: yes. ceremonies would be a great time to do it. So nice. it was very spur of the moment, very neat. That was awesome. Awesome. We gave lots of prizes away. We gave lots of we did amazing casino and a costume contest. So our theme was sci-fi this year and I love the picture that we had taken.
0: Uh, one of the interesting <laughs> pictures that we have that I'm looking forward to seeing is because that is a sci-fi theme, we had about 12 Starfleet officers <laughs> right. and one Romulan. And we had a group picture of that. That was really cool.
1: So we kind of did it like um, Starfleet had been out on a hunt. So we had the Romulan lay down in front of us, and somebody put their foot on top of him, and we're all kind of like posing, like we'd been on a safari, so we'd killed the Romulan. And um, then we flipped, and all the Starfleet people are piled up on the floor in various stages of death, and he's got his foot on top of us with his blaster, so like he'd been on a hunt, and... He'd gotten all the Starfleet people. Yep, looking forward to seeing that one. <laughs> so that'll be cute. That'll be a lot of fun. It was. It was. It was kind of neat to to put together. So, but yeah, awesome weekend.
0: It was a fantastic weekend. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you've heard us t- talk about the pod- the event before and. You'll hear us start talking about it again in uh, seven
1: or eight or nine months from now. Because we get a little bit of a break from start, it. Yeah, uh, start ramping up. But we get a little break from PXS, but we start ramping up for Beyond the Love.
0: Absolutely. Yes, so, I see that yeah. our uh, social media guru has already kicked that into gear.
1: Oh, yeah. So tickets will be on sale for that in a couple of months. And... That'll be awesome as well. So but I'm still I'm still flying a little high from PXS. I know Sunday was a little rough for me and uh you seem to do okay with it, but I was I was in a rough place on Sunday. It's really it's really hard to put an event like that together and be around all these people that have the same I don't know, the same thoughts as you do, the same kinks as you do, the same ideas-ish. About power exchange and to be talking about it all weekend and to be running around and putting something together that you really enjoy and, you know, and then realize that you have to go home and go back to work. Yes. I was, I was a little messy (laughs) after I woke up Sunday morning, but part of that is probably because I stayed up till 3 a.m. each night. So I take the night shift and I don't have to stay up that late. Everybody else has kind of gone to bed, but I just kind of sit in the event space you know, as everybody's left and just kind of chill with one or two people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spent Saturday night coloring at some point right before going to bed because I was so wound. There was no way I was going to be able to go <laughs> to sleep. So I sat there for about a half hour just coloring by myself.
0: Well, but often uh, part of my favorites, uh, part of the event is first thing on Saturday morning when uh, the early morning people get up at 7, 7.30. Uh-huh. And you just have these very nice... Um, can be rather deep conversations as you're in the event space with just a small table of random people.
1: Right, right. I mean, and that's what I get, you know, late at night. So at about two thirty, one one of the presenters was just walking around. And um, he stopped and chatted with me because he, he could not sleep. And, and um, what we figured out was is it was probably because of chocolate. They had hosted one of the, the hospitality suites that night and had provided chocolate and tea. So he was all hyped up on his own chocolate so and couldn't get to sleep and had three other people in his room and he didn't want to wake them. So we chatted for a little bit. It was nice to get to know him a little better. Yeah, neat. So that was really cool. But lots of lots of great stuff over the weekend. Yep.
0: Uh, Anything else you want to talk about before we get into this interview? I know it's a rather short show, but we're rather short on energy.
1: Energy, yeah, rather short on energy. I can't think of anything. I'm sure something else will percolate in my brain soon. I spent all day working today, and we've only got the cars three-quarters of the way unpacked. And, yeah, I guess it's time to chill (laughs) and just play the interview.
0: If you um, are ready to chill, but you need some personal chilling, a quick and part by KJ Canes, home of the original designer glow in the dark and light canes. It's where art and pleasure come together and suit your unique style. They have the biggest selection of canes on the net. I guess what I meant by chill, like you could go get some toys and chill with each other. Oh, not a very good segue. Not probably that very not. Poor that's segue. okay. That's All okay.
1: Right. So, and it's more than canes. Check out the brand new kjcanes.com for a great selection of hand poured, low temp paraffin and soy wax candles as well as all the basics, such as gags, collars, fetish jewelry, nipple clamps, whips, floggers, paddles, vibes, and more.
0: EA listeners get 10% off orders of $25 or more with the discount code DND16. Head over to com. Support the podcast. Get yourself some nice stuff. So tonight on the podcast, we have someone who is coming back. And although we've had people that have done the show more than once... Uh, Lee, you've done the show not only more than once, but the last, the first time you did the show, I don't know if you're aware of this, was about six years ago.
2: Oh, I am incredibly aware. I'm rebuilding my website right now. And in the process of transferring things over, I looked back on every podcast and appearance of anywhere I've ever done. And it was fascinating to have that little moment of, wow, time flies.
0: <laughs> Indeed it does, but instead of just reminiscing old times, specifically you're on the podcast tonight to talk about your new book that's just coming out, and tell me if I'm getting it right, Transversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Realities.
2: Really close, it's traversing. And the reason it's a really that concept of traversing is important to me mm-hmm. is I have found that right now in our culture, people are tripping over these issues, right? People are stumbling, and it almost feels like an obstacle course at times, both for transgender people and for their allies and for professionals and for people who are just trying to understand what's happening with, you know, uh, Janet Mock and Laverne Cox and Caitlyn Jenner, right? Just trying to get it, as it were.
0: So let me start off by asking this, then. Is the purpose of this book for people that want to understand the transgender experience at a very high level, or is it more for a, an operator's guide to say, hey, I've got some transgender friends. I, what's the proper pronoun I'm supposed to be using? Who's well, the, the audience for the book?
2: So the answer is a little bit of both. My concept for the book and why I wrote it was because I was having a lot of people in my own personal life as a transgender man who were stumbling over things, but it wasn't just friends. It was also my medical professionals, right? People who I was going and seeing to treat my sprained knee who were tripping over my gender history. And I'm like, all you're doing is taking care of my knee. Okay. Like what is going on? And also I was, I've been having so many conversations as an educator, you know, at universities as well as at different sexuality conferences with people who were transgender across the spectrum from androgynous and genderqueer to people who were cross-dressers to folks who were transsexual and everything in between who were trying to understand how to use their own language And understand how to communicate with others and I've also been having a lot of stuff recently understanding the differences between transgender children and their journeys through people who are in their 30s and 40s working with how do I tell my kids all the way through folks who I know who have come out as being trans in their 70s and all of these different paths and to tell people who were trans themselves hey I know we're all in this giant umbrella together, but our journeys are also very different.
0: Okay. Now, I know you like to, when at least this is how I recollect it anyway, when you write a book, you like to take a whole bunch of books laying around all your research material and have them kind of spread out around you. And as you're writing the book, having everything right there to draw from, is, is, Do I do I remember correctly sort
1: of the style oh. of...
2: I am such a nerd. Yes, absolutely. And my library is a little bit um, voluminous, but it was really important to me as well with this book to have it be accessible information for a broader audience. So I was also pulling on information for medical professionals from the current standing stuff, not just from the papers and books released from the World Trans Health Organization, but also the stuff from this amazing organization in Vancouver, B.C., that has online resources for folks who are both trans and medical professionals to go online for free and understand the side effects and appropriate dosing for different age brackets and different gender journeys. So I wanted to have stuff that was online and completely free, things that were available for trans folks to read other people's blogs who are themselves trans, books that are available out there from the hyper academic through to the super super playful like uh Butch is a noun by uh Esper Bergman that's really fun playful stories everything in between so the, a lot of the resources that I used – actually, this is hilarious to me. I have a huge resource section at the back of the book and a citation section because even though it's really accessible and it's got cartoons in it, uh, <laughs> right, because everybody learns better with cartoons.
0: Heck
2: yeah. yeah. Uh Not like funny joke ha-ha cartoons, but one of the ones I have is like a little child talking to their parents and there's a genderqueer person in the foreground. And the small child is saying – You know, is that a boy or a girl? And the parent says they're a person. Mm -hmm. So I have that. But in the resources section, I got so stressed out as to what to include in the book that I I literally had a panic attack one night. Like it was bad. And because there's a lot out there that's both useful and not as accessible to different audiences. Okay. And well, because I've had stuff on at times where I'm like, oh, this book is really cool, but that's only because I speak academic.
0: Right. Right. Right?
2: And so I ended up building an entire website that's actually live now called TraversingGender.com that's just all free free and books and like reviews and different things that are out there broken down by what is stuff that's great for people who are in, re- in relationships with trans people, what's information for trans people who are in the military, what are some resources for parents of trans kids, what's some stuff for people who are two-spirited, or people who are katui, um, which is the the Thai word for what's been translated poorly as ladyboys, um, like all of these third gender options, and broken down, just as I do in the book, to have resources for different people and what they're going through.
0: Okay, so do you envision people that are struggling with their own trans journey to find this a valuable resource to help them along, or is it more targeted tor- towards the, you mentioned medical professionals. I- I'm trying to figure out if,
2: who, who would you like to see picking this book up? The short answer is everyone as a start to the conversation. Okay. Because my experience has been, whether we're in the polyamory community or the power exchange community or the trans community, any of these communities out there, even in the computer programming community, if we don't have a shared place of understanding each other's language and empathy for a variety of journeys out there and a variety of language out there, we can't actually have a good conversation. So, and and to also just for when I've talked to trans people, I have an entire chapter that's different types of journeys. And to tell a person who's, you know, dancing with their gender experience right now, giving them words and choices out there to say, yeah, you might be a trans guy or you might be butch or you might be a drag king Mm -hmm. or you might be genderqueer or you might be to give these other ideas to. Because a lot of people only see on in the mass media, all they see is Chaz Bono and Laverne Cox and then go, well, what, what? if those are the only two options and I'm not those, then what? Right, right. But I have an entire chapter that is nothing but resources for allies, including that pronoun issue you brought up.
0: Do you address the difference that the journey from somebody who may be and, – and here's where you'll – please feel free to if I'm using inappropriate or, or language that could be done better – if you have, you, but do you approach the differences in the, the journey from somebody who starts off male-bodied and transitions, versus somebody who starts off female-bodied and transitions?
2: Yeah, I, in the medical health section, because I have a cha- I have chapters on social health, uh, social health, medical health, sexual health, and mental health in okay. that order. And uh, in the medical health section, I actively break down the, and go through the details, that are not details in hardline, but like a page and a half of each. Of the differences between estrogen and testosterone, pros and cons, and why people choose them, and what the like the the effects are, right? So I have the medical side, but in the journeys chapter that I mentioned, those different types of journeys, I have one that one section that's transsexual and the um the like trans in general, transsexual, trans uh, trans woman, trans man, gender queer, agendered, you know. Uh, and agendered and gender neutral, people who are what I call conscious gender explorers, which is to me, you know, butch, femme, people who are hyper feminine, uh, you know, who might be cisgendered women, women who were born female, Mm -hmm. but have chosen to hyper express their femininity. And for me, it was important to do exactly that. And on top of that, I have a section on legal issues, and this might sound a lot, but each of these chapters are about 20 pages, right? So they okay. sound like a lot, but the, the idea is to have a sampler of ideas and concepts out there. And in the legal chapter, I acutely say trans women are going to jail and are being sexually assaulted. And, and then I have a little line that says, and trans men are having these issues in women's jails. But at the same time, it's trans women who, throughout society and throughout all of these sides of challenges, are facing stigmas that other journeys aren't.
0: Okay. Okay, very cool. Now, you'd mentioned four sections social health, medical health, and what were the other two?
2: Uh, So that's in the health section. So it's broken down into three different parts. One is, what is transgender? You know, the differences between sex, gender, and orientation, different types of gender journeys, right? That's the first third of the book. Second third is all health. So the health section is social health, medical health, sexual health, and mental health. And then the last one is about uh, understanding medical, understanding legal issues, looking at the different issues that happen for people specific, uh, you know, what I, I refer to as different circles of oppression. So people who are disabled who are trans as compared to uh, people who are like race issues and trans challenges, et cetera. And then the very last major chapter is allies resources.
0: So... Very cool. When we when you, I'm just curious at the the four health sections: social, sexual, medical, and mental. Do you perceive is one of them? I mean, is medical health and I, I'm not I don't want to understate how important it is, but at least that one's a little more clear at this point. In 2016, right? Mm-hmm. We we understand medical health a little bit better, and I understand there's a lot of education to do still. But do you think that social health is the area where the, most of the um, care and, and education is needed versus, say, medical,
2: se- sexual, or mental. Or
0: is that
2: just um, my crazy thought? So no, <laughs> crazy thought. When the mental health one is listed there, right? <laughs> uh, so a lot of stories when I talk to uh, when I talk to trans people, a lot of the things that actually come up first are mental health and medical health. Because people are concerned about when can I get on testosterone and what gatekeeper systems do I have to go through in the mental health world to get approved. And because right now in the, in the physical health side for people who are um, going med- through medical journeys, mm-hmm. you have to get a piece of paper from your mental health professional that says this person is in fact transgender and it is okay to have them go through major body modifications and so these two become really in in the West become incredibly linked right in
0: okay.
2: the United, in in i would say in uh the world in in the world that are, is the white right'll we'll we just put it that way sure. um and I don't mean that to be rude, but I'm talking about and i'm not meant to say the United States is white, but I'm talking about the over culture and so what could be considered Western medicine as well but there's a subcategory under the under medical health of uh, i mean under mental health of this huge push that's happening right now around autonomy for transgender people to make up their own choices and not have to have somebody who is a specifically type of trained mental health professional approve them and tell them that they're good enough to receive medical care because there's a lot of people out there, myself included when I was a teenager, I tried to transition. And I was specifically told by my mental health practitioner that because I was not dysphoric about my lower body and because I was sexually attracted to men, they would not approve my surgeries and would not approve me to even get on testosterone because I wasn't going to become a, quote, stereotypical heterosexual man.
0: Right. Right.
2: So these things are really interconnected. And the sexual health piece is really connected to me because nobody's having the conversation about somebody wanting to date or somebody wanting to have sex with a trans person and having conversations about safer sex for people who are dysphoric about their lower body. And in in the kink community all the time, we talk about consent for activities. Well, what about curling up with your partner and saying, where can I touch you? Where would you like to be touched? What would you like to be wearing while I touch you? Do you want the lights on or the lights off? Do you want us to not refer to anything but just kiss each other? And there's that notion with, With a lot of bodies and sex, that we should all know how to negotiate sex in general, and that you don't need to even negotiate, you just need to talk. But I'm kind of bringing the skill sets of the kink and BDSM world into a really vanilla audience and a really broad audience in a palatable way so that we can actually talk about these things. When it comes to social health, it's such a broad topic, it's things like. What choices are people making around not transitioning because they'll lose their church community? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's things like, do you choose to go to support groups or are you someone who wants to have your own journey on your own? What's happening for partners of trans people and families of trans people and are they getting the social support that they need what's happening in schools right now and creating understanding for teachers of how to emotionally and socially support these children who are in their classrooms and make sure that they're not being bullied
0: right if,
2: so I, go ahead i
0: was just gonna say it, one of the things you said that really struck me is that idea that you know if i decided to go get a tattoo or to have a mole removed or to have some elective surgery. Like, you know, what are the uh, weight reduction surgery thingamajigger, right? Mm-hmm. It's a choice for me, right? I'm not, I don't have to go through a gauntlet of, of psychiatric professionals to say, okay, I accept that you want to make this change. It was very striking to me that, and I, although I knew that, it just was very striking to me to realize that trans people have to go through a psychological aspect before they're allowed to take make a decision that they've already
2: made. Now, there's a really interesting logic behind this that I think is actually really important. And this is where the debate comes in. And I don't talk about the debate much in the book. I just say that the debate exists. Uh, and the issue is that there are people out there who have, for example, men who were sexually assaulted as children, who are who have become so you know, dysphoric and and so distanced from their own body and so offended by the idea of being male because a man was the one who sexually assaulted them, Mm -hmm. that there is a desire to transition to being female because then they won't be their own oppressor. Mm -hmm. And if that's the reason you're transitioning, that's something that going through therapy ahead of time can potentially uncover and look at the idea of where is trauma here as compared to identity and experience. And that's a small, small percentage of people who are going through these journeys, but they still exist. And other people who have, um, I, I, you know, like folks, I've met a couple of folks who uh, went on various uh, thought, who basically were having problems with anorexia or bulimia or other body distancing things. I know some people who have, well, let's switch to Iran for a side <laughs> moment. In Iran, it's legal to be a trans woman because being transgender is a medical issue that God happened to create just like diabetes, while being gay is a social choice and is immoral. Hmm. And so there are gay men who transition just to be able to be married to their husbands. Wow. And what's really sad about this is, and it's funny because I watched an amazing documentary on it, and I've got a link to it somewhere online. But I watched a documentary about this issue where trans men were being actively embraced by their families, usually because, oh, like there was one, you know, one trans man who was their father was there with them at the clinic. And he was saying, look, I finally have a firstborn son. (laughs) But with trans women, there was a one of the persons at the very end of the documentary who had been left by their partner, abandoned by their family, and were now working as a street worker and who was not happy with their body because they transitioned to be with their spouse and then was abandoned. Oh, golly. And so it really depends on where we are in the world. And so therefore, those psychological conversations are really important for a small percentage of the population. And for everyone else, you are holding us back from our line. But as a note, when you talk about having a gastric bypass surgery, there is a mental health piece that happens.
0: And and that's a good point. And and, and I thought about that after I said it and was hoping to slide
2: by it. But you're right. You're right. (laughs) And I am blessed. I have a neck tattoo. And I am so blessed that my tattoo artist said, you're about to get a neck tattoo? No. And I was like, What? And I had to literally, it was like, uh, it was like defending my dissertation, right? Like it was not quite, but it was a four hour argument lovingly, right? Not a bad argument, but I really like defend each of my sides on it. Understanding that a neck tattoo will change my course for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And if you are a trans woman who has a prominent Adam's apple and has Mm -hmm. a lower pitched voice, there's a chance that that's going to affect your journey for the rest of your life. And even for myself, my fa- I had to completely transform my relationships and my family. My father didn't look me in the eye for two years after I had my chest surgery. Like, these things are radical, life-changing experiences.
0: Wait, let me jump to the, the section for allies for a moment. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges that people, that allies have, or not even allies per se, but just people, right, Mm -hmm. that um, as the trans community is gaining its footing and wants to be respected and wants to be, you know, acknowledged for themselves, there's language and there's um, pronouns we talked about a little bit. How much of that do you put in and and it doesn't even exist? I I don't even know that it exists at this point. Is there even a single this is the appropriate way to to uh, address a trans person? And this word is considered a slur at this point,
2: but this word's cool. So one of the things I do mention in the book is the issue around the word tranny. Um, because trans cons- trans is considered a slur by okay. many trans people. Um, there is a handful of older transgender people, though, who, you know, Kate Bornstein, for example, who wrote My Gender Workbook, uh, who, are, who points out that for people who were gender transitioning in the 40s, it actually, you know, 40s, 50s, and even through the 70s, it actually was a community term. It's kind of like fag, right? It was community, you know, or fairy, right? Fairy was a a gay men's community term that was then turned into an oppressive term that was then reclaimed. And so there's, and then the word tranny was also used on Project Runway, right? As like, you're such a hot tranny mess. And it became part of the, it became completely distanced from the issue of trans altogether. So... So there isn't a one right answer on that term. And when it comes to pronouns, there is not necessarily a one right answer, but I gave some ideas as a starting point in conversation. For example, if somebody, you know, if you're not sure on somebody's pronoun, asking what pronoun do you prefer? Quietly away from other people, not in the middle of a large social setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the side issue with that is, of course, that it only has people asking that question to transgender people who do not appear binary. For example, person meeting me on the street, all the people I meet in Alaska who don't know my history, hmm. nobody knows that I'm transgender. Right. I medically transitioned almost a decade ago or started that transition almost a decade ago. I rock a big beard. People might think I'm metrosexual. Maybe I'm bi or gay, right? Because of just some of my affects and how I dress. But nobody would have any idea. And none of those people, including people in the trans community who don't know that I'm trans, people don't ask my pronoun. So there ends up being this really interesting uh, situation where only certain people get asked their pronoun. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Transamerica? No. There's a scene in it uh, where it's all these transgender women who are all having a Mary Kay kind of like learning how to do makeup better kind of fun social evening. And the lead female, the lead trans woman character says to one of her friends, Oh, that poor girl over there, she's never gonna pass, with pass being the term that is, you know, by some people considered considered, you know, normal usage of the idea of somebody who always who who gets read all the time as their gender of experience. Okay. And other people considered the word passing kind of problematic because passing was a term that was used originally for black people who could pass as white in the United States and avoid being treated like slaves. Okay. So there's some political issues there. But Hilary Duff's character, the lead character, says, oh, that poor girl. And her friend says, that's the Mary Kay lady. (laughs) And so we end up coming into this whole story around gender and stories of gender, period. That a woman who's um, postmenopausal, who's growing fur on her Mm -hmm, face, mm -hmm. gets treated differently in our culture than a young woman or a young woman who's rocking facial hair or who is her suit, right? And who has rocking a lot of body hair might be called he. And then how do you do that even outside of the trans conversation, we need to also look at gender as a whole and gender politics as a whole. And one of the things I say in the book, in the medical chapter, is instead of saying, "Are you a boy? You know, are you a boy or a girl? Are you born male or female?" to somebody who's in your care as a nurse at the hospital, when what you really know, need to know is, "Do you want a bedpan or do you want a bedpan or a, you know or a pee cup?" Okay. That's actually what you're trying to ask. Right. I don't actually need to like and even somebody asking me, "Oh, you're a trans guy. You probably have a vagina." Actually, you don't know. And I have people who ask me that at universities. I've have actually had people who ask me across the board, you know, "Oh, you know, like so do you still have a vagina?" And I used to get really offended about this question. And then I got to a place of passiveness where I'm like, "Yeah." And now my following answer is what happens. And I say, are you asking me because of the curiosities you have about um, gender experiences and the various um, medical options available to trans people, or are you asking me because you want to fuck me? <laughs> and it's amazing how quickly, and well, if it's a student at a university, I said, or because you're amorously attracted to me, right? right. I, I tone it yeah. down. But if it's a fellow professor, I will say, or are you asking because you want to fuck me? And the moment that it goes off that I don't, won't, well, I won't, nobody will go up to you and say, how large is your penis? Are you cut or are you uncut? You don't do that to somebody else at the office. Why would you do it to a trans person? Like it just, it's the same issue. And a lot of what I personally believe is that just take what you already know and extrapolate it. If I don't know, if I don't know about your bathroom stuff, then why are you asking me? Right. And why does it even matter? Who is it affecting and actually, it was funny. I was talking to somebody about the whole bathroom bill issue in North Carolina and Mississippi and whatnot. And of people saying, like, oh, well, men are just gender transitioning to be able to spy on men and, you know, girls and whatnot in the bathroom. And I'm like, that's a lot of effort. I was going to say. <laughs> You're going through multiple years of therapy and then having to undergo. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of multiple surgeries that you could die during because anytime you do anesthesia, there's a chance of death. Right? Like it's, it kind of makes no sense. And yet there's a fear there because anytime you take away people's easy boxes of boy and girl, right? Or in the kink community, top or bottom, or you step outside of um heterosexual, or you stop, step outside of, you know, only one partner you take away people's easy boxes and if I take away one easy box I find that some people I talk to what they're really scared about is not my gender what they're scared about is that there's a bigger world out there that they now have to learn
1: Hmm.
2: or they're scared about the fact that they have to look at themselves and their own story and both of those things are really hard When people get scared about me and my journey as a trans person, oftentimes they're not scared about me. They're scared about their own journey and their own story. That doesn't mean when they're yelling at me or they're telling me I'm wrong, it doesn't hurt. Right. Because it hurts. Right. But it's not about me. The problem is the legislations people are passing affect me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's one things I have at the very back of the book is, you know, we're not, you know, one of the very last lines I have is get out and vote. Go and tell if you, you know, if you're reading this book, or if you're listening to this podcast right now, and somebody at your office brings up somebody else's gender stuff, or makes cracks a joke, take a moment to step in around the water cooler and say, it's none of our business. Or to step in and say, why are you listening to the, vo- the sound of some, why are you looking at somebody else at the urinal? What's that about? <laughs> right. Who- who's really the pervert here? Like taking a moment at the office, maybe not that last line if you're at your office, <laughs> um, but maybe if you're at a conference or you're out with friends, to take that little moment and make a change one step at a time. Or for me, the thing that I've been encouraging people to do across the board is when you're working in an office, of any sort, and you're doing an intake paperwork, whether it's medical stuff, or whether you're you know, doing stuff for the cable company, saying, oh, what's your name, and what can I refer to you as, or what can I call you? Because you know what? That person named Robert on their birth certificate might go by Robert, or Bobby, mm. or by Glenda. Mm. And that one question we should be asking everyone Across the board, how can I respect you as a human being?
0: Very cool. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. All right, let's and, do it. And, and I'm a little leery of this question. Oh, okay, the, I'm excited. After the vagina comment, I'm not going to ask <laughs> you about that. But as a trans person yourself, yeah. is there ever a point that you... You're sitting there and and not only maybe answer the question, but how you feel about this question, mm-hmm. right? Is there ever, and you may be for this one before, but is there ever a point you sit there and you go, I miss that person I used to be? Or is it just, yeah, I'll leave so, it like
2: that. I'll leave it like that. Do, do you ever catch so that? Actually, it's a really, really important question. Um, and I do have a couple of paragraphs about it in the book that loss about something doesn't mean you want it back. Mm hmm. I think of it like divorce, that um, just because you ha- might have a happy memory of your ex, just because you might have that moment where you go, oh my God, I remember when we went on that honeymoon, doesn't mean you want to be re- married to your abusive spouse again. Right. You can still have a memory and you can still even mourn that memory. I recently, um, my former master passed away. and there were parts of it that were bad and we ended and it was bad. Um, but he passed away recently and I had that moment of grief and it was a hard moment where I went, I'll never get to see him again. Mm-hmm. And then I had a moment after that where I had thought in my head and I was like, Whoa, of I'll never get to serve him again. And I'm like, I never want, I didn't want to serve him again when he was alive. Cause he was an asshole. But that death made me think about, wow huh, that mourning can still happen. And personally, yeah, there's moments I absolutely do. I miss swingers clubs.
1: Hmm.
2: I miss being able to go and like just have hot sexual adventures because you know what? That's not accessible to me anymore. It's not. Right. Because bisexual men and trans people across the board in the swingers community are not treated the same way. Hell, men in the swingers community are certainly not treated the same way as women. <laughs>
0: I was gonna right. say just yeah, just being a male in a swing, right, regardless of the rest of it. That's that's own yeah. little. Uh...
2: I had a huge amount of privilege in the sexual community by being a big titted chick. Mm. I had a huge amount of privilege, and by privilege, privilege, I don't mean I was privileged too. I mean that I had social, I had access to, you know, resources and to opportunities that other people didn't. Right? I miss that. I miss an excuse to be able to dress up like. Girls get to wear lots more fun outfits. It's just you've been to fetish parties?
0: Oh, absolutely! Like
2: boys' choices, right? If you're edgy, you wear a rubber cat suit. Yes, no, I, I, I totally get that. I'm sure
0: that my closet: black jeans, black t-shirts. Oh, come on, really? Is that what I got to wear?
2: Yeah. Of course, that's changing a little bit. But oh, no! But the moment when I transitioned, and the moment when I went to a mall and went shopping. For, like, I need a new outfit. And I had this aha moment. Like, I had this aha moment on why people in gangs fight over smudged shoes. Like, I finally realized that, like, what do men really have fashion-wise to distinguish themselves and to stand up taller? We've got a crisp suit. And that moment of freak out when, you know, when somebody ruins your suit or when you were supposed to reuse it, or you realize you have to go to that same you know, gathering again, and what, like a tie. I get to choose what tie I'm wearing. And that's how rebellious I get to be in the academic world. Ooh, um, unless, of course, you're in the metro spectra, metrosexual spectrum and you're now rocking that plaid tie with the Paisley shirt, but that's edgy. Like I finally had an aha that as a woman I never got. But I miss, as a woman, being able to choose between a micro-mini-skirt and a mini-skirt and a thigh-length skirt and a knee-length skirt and a long skirt and a fishtail skirt versus a a flaring skirt versus a... I had a thousand choices! Well, there you go. Yeah, so I miss those things. (gasps) Does that mean that I want to live as a woman again? Nope. But I miss it.
0: But I I like the way that you put that. Like, I can, you know, uh, even... And this has got nothing to do with your journey, but I used to be a junkie and I don't mm-hmm. miss being a junkie, but I do miss the freedom of that, that person had a, a aspect of life that is very different from mine. And it's okay to look back and say, oh man, that part was fun. or that yeah. part was freeing or that part allowed me to do some neat shit that I, that current version of can't do. So I, I think I, a little bit, at least I, I hope I understand that.
2: No, I actually, having done some of those dances myself, I think it's a very similar sense of mourning. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Lee, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Tell me the name of the book again.
2: It's Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Realities.
0: And where can I find said book?
2: Uh, Everywhere. Uh, Barnes & Noble has ordered it, so it should hopefully be in your Barnes & Noble. And... Yes, it's available on Amazon, and but I really encourage people across the board, go support your local small bookstores. Yes, it's available everywhere, but we are able to maintain availabilities of information in our own communities by going and supporting our mom and pop and cousins and aunties, and uncles and non-gendered individuals who don't have to use any of those terms. Um, bookstores, we need to keep them alive. So yeah, it costs a dollar more than Amazon, but you're making something available in your local community. So that's why I say to people, go to your local community. And yeah, go to Amazon if you need to, but it's everywhere.
0: Fantastic. Lee, thank you very much. And we will see you on the Passion and Soul podcast. And I will probably see you at an event somewhere and
2: uh, we can compare ties. I look forward to it. You take care, darling. And thank you all for joining and getting to have me on here. I appreciate it. Our pleasure.
0: Bye, Don. Bye, Dan.